0: Hey there, this is Dennis Anyone with Dennis Hensley, a podcast about making things up and making things happen. Today I talk to Ron Neiswanner. He is a screenwriter. His films include Philadelphia, which he was nominated for an Oscar for, Soldier's Girl, Mrs. Sawfell, The Painted Veil, uh, the upcoming Freeheld with uh, Julianne Moore and Ellen Page. He also works on the show Homeland as a writer and was previously on Ray Donovan. Um, I'm talking to him a lot about his new documentary, the first documentary he's ever made. It's called She's the Best Thing in It, and it's about the actress and acting teacher Mary Louise Wilson, who is uh, won a Tony for um, Grey Gardens and is back on Broadway with On the 20th Century. So fascinating character. And Ron is fantastic. But before we get to him, uh, just a little bit of housekeeping. I hope you will all go check out uh, Dennisanyone.net, Cause there's lots of fun things you can do there. Uh, you can sign up for my monthly newsletter. You can see the pics that go with the different webisodes or the podcast that I talk about. Like if somebody has a weird cat or whatever, I take a picture of it, you know, and put it up there. Uh, there's also links to, uh, where you can buy my merchandise, my books and DVD and stuff like that. Um, What else is up there? Just fun stuff. Oh, you can take my audience poll, which is great. It helps me get uh, more people. And I just want to say, we passed a landmark this week. I got 500 likes on Facebook. So if you haven't liked the Dennis Anyone Facebook page, go and like it. We'll keep building from there. Um, I want to thank Jeffrey Schwartz for connecting me with Ron Niswander. And um, now we'll get to it. Um, Oh, I also want to thank Scott Hinson for uh, donating to the virtual tip jar on my website, dennisanyone.net. It helps me pay for web hosting and things like that, equipment, little things that come up, expenses. And it helps me keep this baby free. So thank you, Scott. If you want to do that, um, you can see a Donate Now button, a virtual tip jar at dennisanyone.net. All right, so without any further ado, um, I got to visit Ron Niswanner on the set of The Fox Lot, where he was working on a homeland we were out in this, like, beautiful lunchtime court area with all kinds of studio things going on, and we took our picture in front of, like, one of the old New York streets, and so it was cool. It was cool, it was cool to be on the lot, as they say. All right, enjoy, and um, thanks for listening. All right, I am here on the Fox lot in Hollywood with Ron Neiswander. Uh You're currently working on Homeland, which is here on the lot it's bustling. I love. We walked through like Old Town, New York, or whatever. I, it was like old Hollywood glamour. It's like going to work in Disneyland, actually. Do you? Does it fun to drive on the lot? And do you ever think like, oh, okay, like when you're a kid, that's what you imagine? Does it get old? Is my point.
1: Um, you know, I've only been out here for three years. Okay, in L.A. You this mean this is my second job on television? Okay. Uh, the last two years, I was on Ray Donovan. Right on. I love that on show. Sony, and I got to drive under the huge rainbow, you know, uh, coming to work with uh, Dorothy. Right. And and all were created. That was really fantastic. And this is really fun. And I have my homeland parking spot. And I took a picture and put it on Instagram. And love it. It's kind of a thrill, I have to say. Were the
0: comments nice? Were they like, good for you? Yeah, of course. Okay. Because sometimes you don't, I don't know. I, things backfire sometimes on those comments. But I'm, that's so funny.
1: I'm very selective about who sees my Instagram. So they, Smart. I generally know that they're going to like what I do. I love that. I sort of pre-select right. for approval. Now,
0: in addition to Homeland, you've got a documentary that you've made that is premiering at the South by Southwest Film
1: Festival this coming week. Monday, March 16th is our world premiere at the South by Southwest, and would you like me to tell yes, you Yes, it's that? called She's the Best Thing in It. That's tell me right. about it. So She's the Best Thing in It is about acting. Yes. And it's particularly about women actors, particularly about older women actors, uh, although some of them will resent that I said that. Right. And it focuses primarily... More seasoned. Thank you. So Veterans. You, you can use that down in Acting South by Southwest. Veterans. Yes. 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 Um, and it's about primarily uh, a woman named Mary Louise Wilson. Do you know her? I know the name.
0: And then when I watched the trailer, I was like, oh, her. Oh, and I bet her. a lot of people do that. That's
1: right. It's exactly the kind of actor she yeah. is. You go, oh, her. And uh, she went to New Orleans in... Um, Oh, a couple years ago. Right. To teach her very first acting class at the age of 79. She won a Tony Award at the age of 75. For *Great Gardens, right. right? Exactly. And then a couple years later, she went down to New Orleans. And uh, I just thought, you know, watching this very smart, slightly curmudgeonly, very sharp 79-year-old whip some artistic sense into some college students could be the basis a pretty interesting movie and how
0: did you come across her what what how did she cross your path how did you think of this story
1: Mary Louise and I live both in a uh, upstate New York I have okay. a house there I live in LA now but I have a house in upstate New York okay. Woodstock In Woodstock and the Catskills right on and she's got a, you know she's got her farmhouse she's got her apartment in New York City but she's got her farmhouse up in Stone Ridge New York and we actually 20 25 years ago we helped form a theater company. Wow! In that theater company, she developed, The first reading was of a play called *Full Gallop*, right? Play about Diana Vreeland, the Vogue editor, which was a huge hit in the '90s. It actually changed. I remember.
0: I remember the title for sure. It's a great play.
1: Yeah. So in that little, um, it's not quite an amateur. It's not community theater. It was all theater professionals who found we found ourselves living up in the Catskills full time, and we thought, well, you know, let's do theater up here, but not get paid for it. This that that sounds—that's that right like. up my alley, by yeah. the way. That's kind of my life. But intentionally not getting, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so that's cool. I, what I like about it, watching the trailer, is I love talking to strugglers or people that stick in it for a long time. They have their ups and downs, but they're not the huge sensations. But they're really talented, and they—they they stick with it, and they have to reinvent themselves. And how do you keep it going? And that's what jumped out at me from the trailer. I don't—I'm not sure if that's. Really fair to say about the movie because I haven't seen the whole thing. It's, it's exactly
1: what the movie's about. Yeah. So the, tra- the you're very perceptive, and we have a good trailer. Well, I
0: tend to read that into everything because that's where I'm at in my life. So exactly do you know what, what I mean? That tree about. is screaming at me. What are you doing with your life? But um, you, yeah,
1: yeah. You know, I mean, uh, my subject had a, has at this point. She's on Broadway, by the way, right now, and on the 20th century with Kristen Chenoweth. Um, Fantastic. So that's a 60 year long career. But also having to
0: reinvent yourself as a teacher. Over
1: and over, and as an actor, over and over and over again. That's exactly what it's about. And having the courage to stay in it, even when you haven't become famous. Even when there's a year in which you think, hmm... My heating bill is going to be a little tough to pay. This right. Year. You know, and you stick with it. And you not only stick with it. You stick with it, as Mary Louise does, as the other ladies in my film. There's a great roster of people in my film. There's Francis McDormand. Fantastic. Melissa Leo, who also lives in upstate New York, is a neighbor of mine and Mary Louise's. Um, I
0: would love to go trick-or-treating in your neighborhood up there. Critical, it sounds actually. awesome.
1: And Valerie Harper and Estelle Parsons and Charlotte, right? Um, Tyne Daly. Just uh, and they've all sort of stuck in it. They've stayed there. They've had ups and downs in their careers. And we get to hear them talk about that.
0: Well, you must relate to that, too, as a writer and as somebody that, you know, like it's probably something you wouldn't have been drawn to 20 years ago or, you know. Yeah,
1: you know, it's, it's so similar, actually, I think, what artists do, especially what writers and actors do, you know, is that we just you kind of have to keep true to something, some integrity to what you're doing. Even though you also have to please all these people to get work. And that is the key. Right. You know, and I, when I have failed in my career, when I look at things that I'm not... There's a plane. That's okay. There's a plane. When I look at things that I'm not that proud of, you know, the sort of things that you kind of drop down... When you write your own bio, you sort of drop those toward the bottom and sure. don't mention them at all. You know, it's because I work too hard to please people. Right. And the things that are more successful is that I worked collaboratively with people... But I also really sort of tried to stay true to what I thought was was good and true and truthful and honest. So, that's what the movie is about.
0: Now, how do you take that instinct and that lesson and use it when you're writing on a television show with a staff full of writers?
1: Well, how do you channel? First of all, there's a showrunner, right? And the showrunner is the person who is at the center of these conversations that we have. So you get together in a room with. Five or six or seven or eight on some shows. It's like hideous. It's like fifteen people, which right. I, I would I would find that really difficult. And you know, there's a discussion, and it goes here and it goes there. And you know, there's a loyalty to what a group consensus to what the show is right. about. And then there's the showrunner, often who is the creator, who says, "Guys." i'm gonna go in let's go in this direction
0: right i just got into this wonderful program called the writers access project through the wga um a lot of writers submitted scripts a few people were chosen and they're, they're, they're trying to get more diversity into writing rooms and i tick the gay box but we had this seminar on how to interview for jobs and how to be in writers rooms and they're like your job is to help the showrunner realize his vision That's, you know what I mean? That's, and I was like, oh yeah, that makes a lot of sense, (laughs) you know? And, and so when you understand that, I think you kind of know what your, what your role is and how, and how much to bring and how much not. Something I think is interesting you come from features and now you're doing TV work. So you know, you're writing a scene for Claire Danes and you know what she can do. It's Is it, is it interesting to know, okay, John Voight's going to knock this thing out of the park or what, is it interesting to write and
1: knowing what actors Ah. you got? God, it's such a relief. Not only that, Dennis, it's knowing that actually this script that I've been assigned to write, and which I've been arguing about about with my colleagues for three months, it before we even you know right. got, got to the script writing level, is it's actually gonna get made. Yeah. It's probably gonna get made in two weeks. Right. That is such a thrill for my future, you know, screenwriting career. I have scripts out there, The Painted Veil, that uh, a movie I wrote with Edward Norton and Naomi mm-hmm. Watts. That was 10 years from writing, starting the first draft to seeing it in the theater. And so people see these long... shows and
0: they talk about these shows and yeah, there's no longer it. that gulf between TV and film of what's considered quality or not quality. Well, the gulf is kind of reversing. Yeah, actually. totally. And I'm if with... actors want to play real people, they go to TV. It,
1: and, uh, and the drama seems to be tougher. Yeah. And a little bit more complicated. Yes. You know? And the characters like Claire Danes in Homeland...
0: Oh my God! To, what a raw know, nerve! Sort of
1: consider as she did in the Fantastic Season Four, which I had nothing to do with. You know, there's a moment where she's giving her baby a bath and thinking, "You know, I could solve my problems if she just sort of went to sleep underwater."
0: Shit a brat.
1: Yeah, and yeah. You know, that would be really hard to convince a movie executive to let you do. It. Yeah. Really difficult, and I, I, you know, even in the what we call the independent movie world, it's, that would be very difficult.
0: Yeah. Now, was it a decision for you to go into television? Did you wrestle with it, or was it the opportunity came up? Or when, it, when, when that was, when that sort of happened, was it a decision you made? Well,
1: I've been writing pilots for about twelve years, right? And one of them almost got made. We, That's okay. Then we then didn't. Um, that gave me a taste for it, but I, I really. Got to the point where I wanted to get out of my house. As a matter of fact, what I said to oh my her, god, I my, get it, my managers is I, I came out here. I hired a couple of managers, and they said, "Ron, what's your main goal?" I said, "Get me out of my house." Right. I am so sick of myself. I bore myself to right. death, and you know because as a feature screenwriter and some people will be listening to this and thinking, what would this how is why would need to be a no, you, know, you can like I get go it. to your desk in your boxer shorts, get up, Ugh. don't shave, etc etc you know, sit there and write and then just have your all day to yourself. And it becomes so boring and lonely after a while. And those moments when you get to get on a phone with people or sometimes I would fly out here and you know argue with people actually as annoying as the notes are, at least you're communicating with human beings. It's not just in your head. So it's a thrill. But,
0: and also looking at what you've got going on now, you've got this steady gig that's challenging and creative and fulfilling, and you've got this stuff going on on the side. You've got your documentary, and you also made a feature called Free Held. Is that right?
1: Yes. Well, uh, yes. I wrote a feature and, okay. uh, and made it with a lot of other people. Thank right. you for, for putting it that way, actually. Um and that's called Free Held, and it's with Julianne Moore and Ellen Page. And they play lovers. They do play lovers. Now, it's a lesbian love story. And it's based on our true true, true
0: story. Yeah. How much research was involved in that? Did you? Are the real people still alive? It's
1: based on a documentary film called okay. Free Held, which okay. won the Oscar in 2006 or 2007. And one of them, uh, here, The spoiler alert. Yes, okay. one of them yeah. is still alive, uh, the one played by Ellen Page. And um, there was, I spent a lot of time with her and I spent a lot of time at their house and I interviewed a lot of people who knew them and I got really invested. So they're years actually.
0: I love that. Now, did you get to go to the set or any, did you want to go to the sure, set? I was,
1: I was on, I was working in television. I was working okay. on Ray Donovan at the time. Um, and I, so I didn't go to the set that much, Yeah, but I was certainly on the phone and, you were in text, the mix. and email every day.
0: And I guess Julianne Moore seems to be having a pretty good year.
1: She's having a good year. Yeah, yeah. I kind of wish you know she had held off and yeah. won it for our movie. But, right. Uh, I suppose. Uh, when is that we'll movie going to gonna do come out? In a row?
0: Is it? Is, have they no don't idea. know I'm yet. I'm sure it'll be this fall. I love it. Um, something that also struck me with your documentary subject, she won a big Tony. And then, and you've won an, an Oscar. And then sometimes I find See, the yeah, people I that people I,
1: that I didn't win, but you didn't win. It. No, I'm an Oscar loser. You're actually. an Oscar
0: loser. I'm yeah. really bummed about that. Me I'm too. sorry to hear that shit. All right. But you know that they, they have that moment and then sometimes it leads to great things. And sometimes it doesn't lead to the things you think of. It's a theme that comes up a lot with the people that I interview that yeah. it's not what you think it might be from the outside.
1: Well, there's a moment in my film where I asked Mary Louise, did winning the Tony change your life? And she said, yep, I never worked again. Shit a brick. Now that isn't quite true, right? You know, but that's probably actors, what it felt the like. An actor is unemployed for a month; they feel like they're never going to work again, right? And it's the same thing with, uh, I think, writers. You know, those, right? Those periods of um, unemployment feel like they're going to last forever, and their career is over, forever. right?
0: Now, right now, as a writer, I'm looking at you,
1: going, "You've got this steady gig, which is
0: so nice to have, believe me. After kind of the freelancing thing, whatever, and you've got this other stuff on the side that's fun and fulfilling. It's kind of really." A sweet spot right now from the outside.
1: Yeah, I'm doing pretty well. But did you... <laughs> the moment. Was there a
0: shift in your thinking about things that sort of helped you come to this moment? Or was it
1: luck, timing? Uh, you know, I, th- I think the rise of quality television and that everybody's sort of heading here and now the uh, emergence of all these different outlets, you know, Netflix, Amazon. So television is really happening. And that you know, it's just a personal thing. I it mer- I, there was just a time in my life where I had lived in a small town, a great small town, this paradise, Woodstock, New York. Um, I had broken up with somebody. I'd been and I, uh, and I was ready to change. I think every like few years, in your life, you gotta have some adventure. Yeah. You know, Twenty years ago, my adventure and uh, a partner at the time. Our adventure was to leave Manhattan and we were, we were, we lived in the village. We were people who never went above 14th street, right? you know, and never left the city, you know, but to leave Manhattan, not, not keep an apartment there, but to leave it and to buy a rundown falling apart farmhouse in Ulster County, New York and had, and, and worry, uh, not about what opera we're going to go see that weekend, but like, how do you hire a plumber? Right. Like, you know, I can't get any water out of this. What, this is a pump? How, how does it's like work? Green Acres. This, it, was green, it was the game yeah. of Green Acres. Actually, <laughs> yeah. Uh, for a while. And it turned out to be a, a great way to live. It's sort of... Then that had its own... Eventually, so was ready for another adventure. So moving down... Were LA, you
0: working as a writer during that time? Totally yeah, that much. was already been, off. You were already off I to the races. Yeah. So a long career. I, yeah. yeah so and, the, but the timing yeah. of that was, was back yeah. in. Um, I noticed that you named your company... Blue Days Films, mm-hmm. right? Or Blue Days... Blue Days Films. Blue Days Films, which was... You, you, the the book that you wrote is called Blue Days, Black Nights. It is. I read that book. It was so good. So... <laughs> thank you. Harrowing and honest. Yeah, and it, it talked about how you, you know, you struggled with addiction and this relationship. It's mm-hmm. been a while since I've read it. But I find it interesting that you named your company that. In other mm-hmm. words, there's some, there must have been something about that time that you want to remember or keep alive, or did you just like the ring of
1: it? You know, there is something about that time that I think all time of our lives that we should hold on to, but not hold on to in a way that's sort of self-pitying and full of regret. And I hope, you know, when people hear like, oh, you wrote a memoir, it's like people let their eyes glaze over, because who isn't? Who isn't doing a one-man show of the story of their lives? And I, I just really want... And yes, and it was, oh my God, it's an addiction memoir. You know, at this point, people are ready to split their throats. You
0: me. were early, though, on that. I was early on it,
1: and I also think I was funny. It
0: was funny. It was like, and the language was so good. And Thank you. I, yes. I'm really
1: proud of that book. And and that book is also about someone else. It's it's a memoir that's really about the person that I was involved with. So it, it was um, not about me. So I think holding on to that name, Days Films is a way of holding on to that person and his memory right. and, um, and you know, what I value from that experience. Yeah.
0: It's interesting. Cause I mentioned the, the workshop that I just got in and part of what we do is we figure out how to tell our personal stories in interviews or meetings, you know, how to do it in a way that makes you look like you're good for the job and that you're not really bragging, but you're telling, you know, all that stuff. And some of the, the darker stuff I feel makes me more of who I am but you don't want to share that in a job interview but when I think of things that have like experiences that have defined me it hasn't been like the things that I've done that were successful it's been those like chunks of time where I didn't know what the fuck and I yeah got
1: through it well your challenges yeah I mean that's that's actually you know it's such a cliche I know it's, you know but it is true you know as you get older cliches actually all turn out to it's, be true you gotta just it's accept them like, put them on a pillow and, and so live quality. with it yeah yeah yeah, I heard a famous rock star, and I can't say who it was because I, I heard him in a uh, situation which uh, we don't use each other's names. But um, he, uh, I've just given that away, haven't I? So he uh, said, You know, I, I used to hear all these corny sayings. And I used to think, Oh, how corny. He said, But now I realize, you know, the corny lasts forever. And, you know, that I, might be the title I, of this podcast because I always pull one quote forever. Corny lasts forever. It does.
0: And you get older, you let people off the hook about shit. And yeah. you let yourself off... Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I don't know. I, I When I see certain cruelty out there, I just think, ah, oh, you know, people are doing the best they can. Yeah. Like, it's... I, I don't know. Yeah. You know what I mean?
1: Well, I, I do know what you mean, actually. I, yes.
0: Yeah, just stuff on the internet, you know. You I've know, seen people taking other people's pictures off of, like, Grindr and, and making fun of them on... Like, I'm like, really? I'm like... That person's vulnerable. Like, just, you don't need, why don't you just get a burn book, like, in Mean Girls? Anyway, I'm going on a tangent. Um, now, when when Ellen Page was doing that she'd already come out, right? Or had she? She
1: brought it to the producers who brought it to me. So this is five years ago. Or yeah, so. okay. She had not come out at that time. She has come out since we when we start before we started shooting. So, sh- so that's amazing. Yeah. So five years ago, she was pushing this project,
0: pushing this project, and by the time she went to shoot it, she was out and had done that amazing speech. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. I love it. I love yeah. it. What are their characters like in the movie? Ellen Page and Julianne.
1: Well, um, they are obviously of different ages. That's very yeah. Clear. And that's actually a major element in their relationship. And Stacy is working class, athletic. That's Auto Ellen. That's yeah. Played by Ellen Page, and Laurel is a um, police detective who has been in the closet most of her life. So she's an undercover detective who is undercover in her life, basically. Right. And Stacy sort of upsets the apple cart. I mean, falling in love with Stacy, inviting her to live with her, is sort of uh, it's challenging to her.
0: I can't wait to see it. I and then, can't of wait. Course,
1: then, then something else. Then their lives are shattered by something else.
0: Now, when you look at your career, you've written about a lot of issues that are part of the G- GLBT community, mm-hmm. but that were kind of early in that part of storytelling. You did Soldier's Girl, oh, which yeah. dealt with trans stuff. When, when you hear the conversation now about those issues, transparent, do you think, oh gosh, when we were making that movie, things were like this? Or, or even Philadelphia, one of the first movies to deal with AIDS. And mm. I, I, it just seems like you are on the cusp of all these things and and breaking that ground. What's well, a good place to be? And and,
1: and uh, you know. And uh, what does it
0: feel like looking back and remembering? Gosh, when we did Philadelphia, we could never have gotten away with.
1: I don't know, whatever. You know the way it, the
0: evolution of, of our culture has been. It's
1: really a different time, and yeah. that's when I, if I do get a chance, especially to talk about Philadelphia, we have forgotten in many ways that there was a time when an AIDS diagnosis was uh, a terminal diagnosis. Oh, that was it. And. Uh, and there was a time when people would not shake your hand. They did not want you in their apartment. They did not want you living in their building if they knew you had AIDS. And it, it was a time. It was a time of horror. And, and our community rose to such, I think, beautiful, such a beautiful response to that. You know, to, to, to us in activism, and helping ourselves a community organization. And that it, I think, all oh, that's. You know, we take it, we forget it, we take it, we forget it. You know, there are people who went before us. And I know that we're still struggling. But, you know, we weren't, it's not the same struggle as those drag queens in 1969. Right. Who were being beaten up and dragged off to jail just because they happened to, because two guys in a bar called the Stonewall happened to touch each other. Yeah. You know, the times have changed and they've changed because people risked their lives. Was it hard to change. get Philadelphia made? What, 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 was, no, what was it like? It at the time or it yeah, good. Uh, it wasn't hard to get it made because the movie business was different, and because there were there were a couple of executives, especially I, God, we people love beating up Hollywood executives, and that is such a, a, a myth. Uh, you know, gives the people a lot of pleasure. That hobby. right, uh, but it's a myth. You know, uh, Mike Metivoy and Mark Platt, who were at um, TriStar. It used to be Orion Pictures. You know, they had a moral. They felt morally compelled to make a story about AIDS. Not only a story about AIDS. They felt morally compelled to make the story that we had presented to them, to them about AIDS, in which a gay man was at the center of the story. And when Jonathan Deming and I pitched our story to Mark Platt, you know, Mark Platt said there are ten projects in development right now about AIDS. They all have heterosexual main characters. You use that as part of your pitch. No, Mark Platt, the executive, oh, wow. said that to us. And he said, that's immoral. Wow. He said, we're going to be the first AIDS movie, the first Hollywood AIDS movie, with a gay man at the right.
0: center. Uh, this is probably, you probably have a million of them, but do you have a favorite memory of the Philadelphia experience? Oh,
1: God. Uh, or or, or yeah, a story sure. that comes to mind? Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I know. What it is. You know, the famous uh, opera scene... Yeah, seen in Philadelphia, which people really like. Um, it was so disputed, and the whole development of the script. When it went into the script, it went in right from my life. I, and I'm not even an opera queen, but I love that particular aria. And one day, I was sitting in my house, I was listening to music to write. I, I do that; I get inspired by music. And I actually started crying listening to an aria. And my lawn guy knocked on my door. <laughs> it was like a sliding glass patio door. Right. And he saw me sitting, listening to an opera with tears in my face. I felt immense shame. That thing that we all feel like, I'm a faggot. I just, I, you know, and I was out. He knew who I was. Right. I felt shame. I busted. This gay men are not supposed to. I'm a man. I'm not I, to when I
0: was a little kid, I would dance. I would choreograph little dances to Boogie Oogie Yogi by A Taste of Honey. And I would perform them in this room behind our house all by myself. To a reflecting a sliding glass door, at the moment, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, but that happened? feeling of like if somebody walked in, it would be bad.
1: Be like masturbating. Yes, if somebody walked in while you were. Yes, <laughs> which also happened. Actually. Yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> but, <laughs> but
1: it's interesting. But you felt shame as an adult, and I thought that this is this is very interesting. I'm putting this in the movie. Yeah. That I want the Tom Hanks character to do this in front of the other character, and to go through that shame. And you know, and were people on board? Finished. You said it was talked no, they about. Needed it except Jonathan Demme when it went into the script they hated it everybody involved all the producers all the executives they hated it especially some gay executives who said oh can't they talk about baseball or something this is so cliched it's a stereotype the gay men listen to opera right Well, you know there is some truth in stereotypes by the way well and
0: also opera I'm not even a huge opera fan at all but there is that enormous emotion that that's music it. can get you in a
1: place that's it that brings stuff out like that. Well, the great Tom Hanks, of course, recognized that immediately. Said, yeah. That's my favorite scene in the movie, so it stays. Oh, so then, <laughs> then we were done. So, but my favorite moment was, was shooting it, and that was the first the first take that's in the movie. Oh. You know, the take that's in the movie is the first take. And what, being on the set and behind the monitors, I'm going to start crying now. Um and watching him do that through the monitors and seeing the incredible photography and the way that uh, the Jonathan and Tak Fujimoto had staged the scene and shot it, Tom's incredible performance, and when the director yelled, cut, we all burst into applause. And I ran over and hugged the director, and he hugged me, and we knew that something really... Boy, that's, that's a moment that so rarely happens in your life as an artist where it just... Something happened. We all turned and said to ourselves... Something bigger took over. Yeah, and that was a great moment. What was Denzel like? The best, um, con- very just great. I mean, everybody on that movie. There are no stories. God, people drives people crazy. That I can't tell naughty stories about. Right. Everybody was so committed and dedicated and well behaved and filled with love. I mean, yeah. people showed up out of love. I love that. You know, and They were paid, of course, but not much. Not yeah. not a fraction of what they, they were used to getting.
0: Right. I was knocked out by Soldier's Girl. Thank you. That true story. And, and I know Calpurnia yeah, now. Isn't she great? She's such a force to be yeah, working she's with such and a such force. an artist and, yeah. a, and a cool woman. What was that like to work on? Or do you have a memory from that, oh, that sure. project? Sure. I have a memory of
1: Calpurnia coming to the rap party straight from the hospital where she had... Completed her gender reassignment. Wow!
0: Did she have any like dolls? I mean, like was she? She looked great. Yeah,
1: but it wasn't that. I mean, she. Right. During the shooting, I actually spoke to her in the hospital, and I said to her, Caprini, are you in pain? Right. Because we were like in the taxi cabs, going to parties, and everything. You know, the rap the day, the rap party day, and she said, "Oh yeah, but I'm on lots of drugs." I said, "Do you really think you maybe you should have just you know rested?" And she said, "Ron." They only make a movie about your life once. I'm going to be here. Damn
0: right. Of course. You've got to. Now, so, did you ever find, I mean, people get pigeonholed in all kinds of things, actors, writers. Did you ever find that, oh, you're the guy that does oh, the, God, the, yes. gay no, the, gays, the gay stories or whatever?
1: The gay, socially relevant, right? social justice cause movies, which we know there's like one made every 10 years. Yeah. Thank you very much. So that actually is one of the reasons I'm in television. Yeah. Because those, excuse me, because those movies don't they just aren't coming that often
0: right and so, so it was, it was a, and pr- I, personally fulfilling but professionally it, it, it was so you're sort of a, a pre- preconception you had to sort of try to get people to see beyond
1: well it's, it's a privilege to be and thank you for putting it the way you put it you yeah. know with Freeheld and Soldiers from Philadelphia to be grappling with my art and getting paid for it yeah not as much as people probably think I am but getting paid for it um in these issues that are so important to our community. That's that's a privilege. Yeah. I know it's a privilege and I'm honored by it, but it's not all who I am. Yeah. And to go on Ray Donovan, for example, which, you know, I don't know if you watched Ray Donovan. I've some seen some of it, yeah. You know, sort of, you know, uh, which is kind of a brutal, brooding, very uh, dark, complicated portrait of lots of actually straight guys. Yeah. Um, and their brothers, and that, that was a thrill for me. Yeah. it's really delicious and homeland is a different kind of uh, experience
0: yeah something going back to the opera scene something i've been i've always sort of believed but i'm seeing it validated a lot lately is those things that are personal specific they resonate with people even though they may seem odd or no one would believe that or i don't know that that's the stuff that jumps out of scripts because yeah. it's so i guess it's real but it's also
1: specific and then that becomes universal in a way. It, it, it's, <clears throat> yeah, I think there are those things. The mistake that some people make, of course, because I teach as well. I do workshops, speak at film festivals, that sort of thing. Is that people, that just because it happened to us, just because it's real, does not necessarily make a good drama. Right. And that's the thing that you, know, you develop as your instinct as a dramatist. This happened to me. How how is this actually interesting to somebody else? Yeah. What do
0: I? What? How do I twist it yeah. to to make it you know compelling?
1: Well, the story yeah. that, about the opera scene is that yes, you could show a gay guy who's a writer who's that's okay who's it listening listening, <laughs> listening to the opera, and his lawnmower guy knocks on his door. That's one story. Or you could give that story to a man who is battling for the good of his name and. Facing his very probably near death by AIDS. Right. And, and, it, and we, one story is sort of bigger. Right. Makes sense. Why do you write? You know, I've been doing it for so long, it's a hard, that's a very interesting question. Um, I think it is to spend time by myself, with myself, in a way that's really pleasurable. It is truly, I mean, I, I drift off to sleep imagining the scene I want to write when I wake up the next morning.
0: That's so great. Thinking about
1: what if he does this and what if he does that and, and trying to solve that problem.
0: Right. Now, I read on on IMDb, did you work on Swing Shift, the Goldie Hawn movie? I did. I only asked cuz I was full on Goldie. I was the biggest Goldie fan in those days. I had that one sheet and she met Kurt on that movie and I was in the room. Yes, when I've they met? That. Yeah. Was it did you see it happen? I've yes, seen people meet. That night. I've seen it. I I've, I've seen people meet and I'm like, "Oh, something just happened to the molecules around them oh, no.
1: she! there was a small there was five of us in the room yeah we were reading through the script and Kurt walked in and they started talking about you know oh we're gonna have to we have a scene where we're dancing and he says well why don't we go out and find a place to dance tonight wow so, there you go there you go there you
0: go you were there for that yeah. was there a project that you worked on where you're like oh I wish they could all be like this just in Still terms of no, Philadelphia no,
1: something like that. And actually I had soldiers go
0: yeah was I know now we're, now we're in Homeland yeah, right. we're actually in Homeland <laughs> the CIA exactly got after his landing they got home. it I had a friend that got it to do that. a couple of episodes of Homeland I was so proud of him which season um, I think it was season three um, Damien's character was still alive season three yeah and he my friend Jalen Moore was one of the four guys that sort of helped him I don't know I think he, and then I think Jalen died or we didn't know if he died or whatever but yeah, yeah it was fun to watch Fun to see that. Um, I know you probably have to get back pretty soon, I right? Have to get back. To okay, work, you I picked. Think. You picked a few questions from the uh, observation deck. Let's rattle off I a think few. We of those. Might have hit them actually.
1: <clears throat> oh, so the, you have a question. What's the worst costume you've had to wear for work? Well, you know, it wasn't the worst, yes, right? But it was really fun. I'm okay. A soldier's Girl, uh, which is about a transgender woman named Caparidia, right? We've talked about. Um, I thought I just was. I wanted to do drag. Right. I wanted to show up on the set, and I had the costume people and the wardrobe people and the makeup people. They gave me these like things for my breasts. I mean, we did it. It was, and I have to say, it wasn't all that pretty. I didn't do pretty. I, it was considered like an Eve Ensler kind of look, sure. except it didn't quite match because there was also like this gold sequin thing. So it wasn't. It was an Eve Ensler wig with like gold sequins. So it was probably really screwed up. But you gave it your best shot. I gave though. in the heels and everything. The pantyhose shaved, etc., etc. And uh, I showed up on the set, and I was working with a great director, Frank Pearson, who was a great screenwriter. Dog Day Afternoon.
0: Right. He wrote. He wrote this really dishy article about Star Is Born. I yeah, did. I remember. He
1: regretted it for most of his life. Oh. And I, I have I, I saw him and Barbara interact, so they had gotten over it at some point.
0: Oh, that's good to know.
1: He he told me he had once apologized. He chased her down at a party and said uh, and apologized. Uh, but I just I walked up. To Frank, and you know, I'd been on the set all day. Frank and I had spent the last two years together planning this movie. And I, uh, Lee Pace, who was playing comedy just walked me over to Frank, and I thought he's going to recognize me immediately and said, You know, Mr. Pearson, this is my friend, you know, uh, Virginia. Right. And he, he shook my hand and said, How do you do? You passed. Yeah, I passed. And then I started talking, saying, You know, Mr. Pearson, I'm really honored. And he, the voice, and then he put it together and he said, Oh, fuck off. <laughs> That's great. I got it. Yeah. So do, do you appear player.
0: in the movie? I do. Awesome. So yeah. is it obvious do people gold really have to secret. look at you?
1: I they're in the bar, the group of kids are soldiers and their girl yeah. girlfriends sitting at the bar, and you'll see an Eve Ensler wearing a gold. I love secret, it. That's you a mini dress walk by.
0: I love that. Yeah. Okay, what else you got?
1: Mm mmm. Mm, mm. Um You know it's it, but the most job I was most excited... What
0: job were you most excited to hear you got?
1: You know, the, it's for I think it's to hear to, that something that you love is actually going to get made. Yeah, it's so more... It's, it's Yeah, job. it's and more I,
0: that it's a green it, light moment.
1: It's, you know, um, there was that moment when it seemed that Philadelphia, because all movies, you know, you sort of slide into it actually happening. You slide into it. Right. And there was a moment and I, for two years, I kept saying, oh, for two years I kept saying to Demi no one's going to make this movie right. it's about a homo with AIDS right And that
0: was the working title by the way no I'm <laughs>
1: well, it could have been Actually, <laughs> we were desperate yeah. um, and there was a point at which this person was hired and this person was hired and this person was hired and then Demi and I were sitting in a room with this, uh, the makeup people who were showing us how they were going to take Tom through his whole process and the prosthesis that was going to be created to make him look like he was losing weight and losing his hair and finally John and this is gonna cost, you know, fifty thousand dollars or something. And Jonathan said, So nice to do you do you believe now we're actually gonna make this movie? Wow. And I had to say, I, I think we're actually gonna make this movie. So that's kind of my answer to that story. I love that. That's a great one. Yeah. You I- slide into movie making and you know, and believe me, there have been movies that start shooting on the, and the first day they close down. Yeah. You know, so you don't really believe it until you're on the set. But uh, it's that great moment when you think, oh, I think this is really going to happen. It happened on Freehold this year. Yeah, Awesome. There was a moment when, like, oh, they, they've, uh, Michael Shann- they've signed on Michael Shannon. So I knew that the two women were on, but, like, when they went to the third person. Right. We got three key casts. It was like, I think this is actually going to happen. That's awesome.
0: Where'd you shoot, back east? We shot in New York. Nice. Yep. Awesome. I can't wait to see that.
1: It's pretty good. I love it. Have you seen, seen it finished? I've seen
0: an early cut. Yeah. What do you know now about yourself or about writing or about Hollywood that you wish you'd known
1: 20 years ago? Oh, I can answer that question. Um, I, what I do well and to embrace it and not try to do things I don't do well. And the things that I... When I succeed... As with my book, as with Philadelphia, Soldier's Girl, The Painted Veil, which I, 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 I like a lot. A movie called Mrs. Soful that I wrote yes, Diane Keaton. decades ago with Diane Keaton and Mel Gibson. All those things, what they have in common, Homeland Ray Donovan, is people usually die unpleasant deaths, actually. And I think in all of them, <laughs> if you add it up, they get beaten to death by baseball bats, they right. get cancer, AIDS. Ray Donovan, people just drop dead for all kinds of reasons. Sure. Murder, usually. Uh, homeland, you know, usually a terrorist has set off a bomb. So it's when I go into that world, as I do with my book, and that's when I succeed. And I have tried two or three times to, do, to lighten up. To lighten up, and they've been embarrassing failures.
0: Wow, that's interesting. So it took
1: me a while to figure out, you know, what I am and what yeah. I do, and not to run from it.
0: When you wrote your book, were you nervous about putting it out? No. That's awesome. I mean, because it was, there was yeah, it was pers- so revealing it's so personal
1: and you know. Well you asked me one of the questions in my hand here says, you know, who is your most surprising fan? I, I was gonna tell you about my Aunt Amy, and you've read my book. And early on, it might be page four of the yeah. first chapter, I described myself high on crack. Right. is this is like a total adult yeah, full, on, full yes. on. Um giving a blowjob. Right. to a hustler, Jim right. Johan. Yes. He's high on crack. Yeah. I'm high on crack, and I'm imagining that the movement of my head up and down—we're on the Starship Enterprise—and my head's movement is what is moving, <laughs> is piloting the, the energy, ship. It's is, is energizing the ship. Your your blowjob motion is the Sulu. That's that's the hallucination I was having. That wow, that's... and and I and when I I didn't even think my family would ever even find this book. It was being published by a, in a small printing by, you know, Allison Books. And God rest
0: their soul. I had a book with them.
1: Yeah, they were great. And I yeah. we went back home to Coal Mining, Pennsylvania, and my Aunt Amy, and I was visiting, and Amy was about 75, and she said, oh, before you go, let me, I want you to sign my copy of your book. <laughs> I went, I said, no, no, please tell me you did not read my book. Please, yeah. you didn't read it, did you? You just bought it. She said, I, right, sure, well, of course I read it. I really enjoyed it. Wow. And I I wanted to say, even with the blowjob and the Star Trek moment, but I didn't go that far. But I thought, wow. Wow. You know, and that, you know, people, that again teaches me, you know, people aren't what we think they are.
0: They're not. And when you tell the truth, there's something about the truth that can cut through stuff. It's undeniable. Right? Yeah. That's what I try to go back to sometimes when I'm working on things. Yeah. Yeah, It's undeniable. Yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. I love it. All right. How would you describe this time in your life right now?
1: Uh, It's really full. Good. It's, it's a lot about work. Good. And um, it's a it's about you know I tell you I'm I'm of a certain age I'm in my mid fifties <clears throat> and you start thinking about what's this about right you know and it's
0: I, I have no idea what you are talking about <laughs> yeah I'm, no you're, you know, you're, you're, uh, yeah you're twenty five no I'm kidding I'm ta- I think about I, that's yeah.
1: And it's. And I'm trying to because I'm so work driven. Right. I've actually decided I actually I need to have life outside right. of this work, and I'm and I'm and how to do that when I work, you know, 17 hours a day. I haven't quite figured it out. But that's what that's what's
0: that's what's I'm on your mind about right now. Awesome. Yeah. Well, how can people learn more about your documentary and your, um, your she's stuff? She's the
1: best thing in it. Yes. Dot com. Awesome. And uh, Blue Days Films. It's where all your your stuff somewhere. is. Somewhere. I think there's Facebook. I think there's Twitter. I, yeah. You know, I don't do any of that stuff. Somebody does.
0: I love it. Now, um, South by Southwest premiere. After that, we don't know yet? Dallas. Okay, cool. Uh, we're waiting
1: to hear from other festivals, and we're hoping to have a buyer soon.
0: I love that. What surprised you when you were making the movie? Because, you know, when you sit on a documentary, you, you have an idea, and then some stuff happens.
1: i surprised by how, how moved I was by the young people in it. <laughs> because at first I thought I was going to be making some her of Her acting of them. students, yeah. Her acting students, because you know they, you know, are of a certain generation, and I can be a little impatient with that generation, sure, <laughs> you know, who haven't heard of um, Montgomery Clift or Gregory right. Peck, and they want to be actors, or they, right, uh, not, e- not even quite sure. Marlon Brando, he was loud or something, right? right? You know, he had a torn T-shirt. So I can be a little impatient. Yeah, he pioneered the white beater. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And you know, they really moved me, actually. Yeah. And their dreams, you know, even though their dreams have a lot to do with stardom and the red carpet. Right. It it I I was in a very cynical way I thought I was gonna sort of make make light of that. Right. Or that, that it would just it reveal was, itself. That it was misdirected. Yeah. That's not really and you know, I actually was moved by it.
0: I think when I see people like that, there's nothing you can't really tell people about. It, the stuff you try to say is I think stuff that has to be earned. I mean I'm, I'm not even sure how they are articulated anyway. It, uh, and part of what's great about being young tough. is and that you have that. Yeah. Is that you have it. Like I look back at things I'd done that I had the nerve to do, and if I if I'd really seen it for what it was, I never would have done it and that took me to the next thing. Yeah. yeah.
1: I mean the only thing I tell young people is and their parents especially, you know, who all t- Approach me and tell me that you know my my daughter is the best in her class. Yeah, I mean every play, she gets the lead. Right, great. Because that's going to guarantee she, that's right. going to guarantee she's going to go right to the top. Yeah, and I do say it's it's the spending thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars to get a college degree in acting. Right, or in writing, and I say get a college degree in philosophy, history, geography, and. Something that actually, then you have something to write about. Yeah, you know. So that's that's the thing that I get kind of passionate about. Don't spend that f- hundreds, of thousands right. of dollars to, you know, be a busboy and makes take sense. some acting lessons. You know? um,
0: the Oscar night when you were nominated, and I, I actually gave you the award a few a little while ago. Most I memorable I wish you had been
1: voting. I know years
0: ago. most memorable moment of the evening.
1: Uh, Raquel Welch was wearing a fez. <laughs> That might be the new title of this. You keep giving me titles of the podcast. That's amazing,
0: and I hope she wasn't sitting in front of you. She, she that would have kind of sucked. She
1: was two rows down. Oh
0: shit! All yeah. right, well, was it in your? And the whole and night, I love fezes. Yeah, actually. but you're and sitting there looking that at that a was. fez.
1: I know she looks amazing. And the other was, I did stand next to Clint Eastwood in, at, in the men's room at the urinal. Right. Well, I was right next to Did it. you get P-Shy? I, uh, no, I just, I just, I just didn't, like, what do you, like. What do you do? I want to turn to Clint, like, what are you going to say? Make my yeah. day. You know, it's. Yeah, just, it's almost know, like
0: a gunslinging I moment. I just had to, like, sue, yeah. like,
1: let that go. But it well, was, it was exciting.
0: Well, Jeffrey Schwartz told me that I would love talking to you, and I have loved talking to you. Oh, Thank great. you for taking time on your lunch break. Yeah, I'll pleasure. let you get back to the. CIA shenanigans. Yeah, we've got
1: to go kill some people. Kill gotta, some God, people. He's going to live and die.
0: Best of luck with all your projects. And this has been awesome. I Thank really, you, really appreciate yeah. it. Really, it's my pleasure. All right, awesome. Thank you. My thanks again to Ron Neiswanner. You can learn more about his documentary at She'sTheBestThingInIt.com. And keep an eye out for Freeheld, which is coming out later this year. And, of course, watch Homeland, which he works on. He's got all kinds of stuff going on. All right, so this happened... Um the music video that I made with Tom Goss and Matt Zarley and Jeb Havens went up on St. Patrick's Day, and uh that was really fun. I I'm not sure I even posted a link. I think I did on the Dennis Anyone Facebook page. I'll make sure I do that today if I hadn't. And uh that was a lot of fun. But speaking of musical things, I had a few friends over to watch the finale of Glee, because I still kind of check in on that show. I like it when the kids sing. What can I say? Rachel, you know what I think about Leah Michelle is I love her on that show. I love her. And I bet I wouldn't like her in real life, judging from what I've heard. But I'm able to make that separation. She's one of the few people that I can make that separation. Like, I still like their work, even though I probably don't think they're that nice. I don't know why her. I don't know what makes her so special. But anyway um that's it uh we had a few we had a couple friends over we watched the finale it was two hours the first hour I thought was really great we um as my friend Denise said she goes oh I'm catching some feelings she was getting a little moved and I I agree I was as well and then the second hour I don't know what the second hour was I don't know I don't know it was a, a bit of a hodgepodge but um they brought everyone back, and they basically said, you know what, we're wear red and white, and we're going to do a big number, and we'll just see what happens. So, um, but I'm going to miss it. I'm going to miss it. And Jonathan Groff was in the finale, and then I just watched the finale of Looking, um, and I really hope it comes back, because I like that show. I thought the finale episode was really good. It, it was about a grinder shitstorm, which I think it was time that somebody took that on. Alright, so shows are ending. I'm getting feelings. I'm catching feelings. I'm making music. Whatever. But I'm keeping doing this podcast, and I hope you guys uh, love it as much as I do. Uh, check out DennisAnyone.net for all kinds of fun stuff, and um, we'll catch you next time on Dennis Anyone. Bye!